Well, today my message is on faithfulness and faith. Being faithful, right? Well, I can tell you, you can soon spot the faithful ones. Amen? It's those that always show up. They're always there, doing whatever they can. Well, we're going to read some definitions of faithfulness and faithful. So, of course, I got out my good old Webster's Dictionary, right? Webster says, number one, for faithfulness, keeping faith, maintaining allegiance, constant, loyal, such as faithful friends. Number two, faithfulness is marked by or showing a strong sense of duty or responsibility, conscientious, such as faithful attendance. That's what Webster said. <laughs> okay, then number three said accurate, reliable, and exact, such as a faithful copy. If somebody is copying something down, like if you have someone's specific words and you're writing it out, you put it in quotation marks because that means it's faithful to what that person said. Uh, if you're copying books or numbers or something like that, you have to be faithful in duplicating exactly what it says. Well, that's what faithfulness is. Of course, then we all Google, right? We got our phones and we Google when we want to look up something. So I said, okay, let's see what Google has to say. And so for faithful, number one said loyal, constant, and steadfast. So right away, I thought of my dog, Seymour. <laughs> he is loyal, he's constant, and he's steadfast. You can always tell how Seymour is going to react and what he's going to, he's always going to be happy to see you, right? <laughs> then number two was true to the facts or the original. So there's an original and whatever is copied is true to that original. <clears throat> so other definitions that I looked at, true to one's word, promises, or vows, etc. Steady in allegiance or affection, loyal, constant, faithful friends, reliable, trusted, or believed, adhering to or true to fact, a standard or an original, accurate, a faithful account, a faithful copy. Well, I think we all know by now what faithful means, right? And I think we all knew what faithful was before we even started. But God just wants to remind us a little bit about faithful, because you know, sometimes it's easy to slip. And he wants to encourage us, right? He wants to encourage us to be faithful. And so, first of all, we're gonna look at God, the original, right? He's the original faithful one. And he would never ask us to do anything that he wouldn't do himself, right? Amen. I can get an amen on that one. I, I heard some out there. <laughs> Sorry, I can't hear you online when you say amen, but I'm sure if you're typing it in, somebody's getting it. <laughs> we can go back and look at it. The first verse we're going to look at is Deuteronomy, the seventh 
chapter and verse 9. So I may, I've got so many markings in here, I may just stick to my typed written word for most of it. But Deuteronomy, the seventh chapter and verse 9. Therefore know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. Oh, what a precious promise. God is faithful. He doesn't let us down. He will even bless our kids and the generations after us if we're faithful. That's what he says. He keeps covenant with us. He's going to be faithful to us. The next verse is Titus 1-2. It says, In hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. God is so faithful that he cannot lie. If he has promised something to you, whether it is him just speaking to you or whether it's the word of God, if he's promised it, he cannot lie. So that means we can depend on what he says, right? It says, in hope of eternal life. He has promised us eternal life. That means we're going to be forever with him. Amen? Amen? And it started the day we got born again. That means he's with us right now. Amen? Amen? That means that we don't have to be afraid no matter where we go. God is with us. No matter what we hear in the news, no matter what's going on all around about us, we know that God is faithful and he cannot lie. Amen. Hallelujah. That should get you shouting. <laughs> and then 1 Corinthians 1.9. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. God is faithful. That's the first thing he says. God is faithful. And who did he call us to fellowship with? But Jesus. Right? His son. Who better is there to fellowship with than the son of God Almighty? And he is God. He is God himself. And so we have the right and the privilege to fellowship with him. God is faithful to fellowship with us. He is so faithful. Then we're going to look at 2 Thessalonians, the third chapter and the third verse. But the Lord is faithful who will establish you and guard you from the evil one. How many of you know there's an evil one out there? He does all kinds of things to try to harm the people that God has made. Amen? He goes around killing, stealing, destroying, whatever means he can. He's trying to destroy life. But the Lord is faithful, who will establish you and will guard you from the evil one. <laughs> what better promise do we have than his word? He is faithful to his word. And you know, you can go over and over. If you look up the word faithful or faithfulness in the scriptures, there are so, so many scriptures on God's faithfulness because it's part of his nature, isn't it? 
He's the original one. Hallelujah. One more about God's faithfulness. 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen? Amen. If we confess our sins, he's faithful. He is so faithful to you that even when you mess up, if you'll just admit it to him, he'll forgive you. In fact, he's already forgiven you, but you won't receive the benefit of it until you confess it. Amen? And he has, he's there. He wants to receive you into his presence. But we feel condemned when we've done something wrong, don't we? And it, help, and it keeps us from really coming and enjoying his presence. So all we have to do is say, God, I messed up again. Please forgive me. And guess what? He says, come on. Let me give you a hug. <laughs> He's not afraid to give us a hug. He'll just put his arms around us. And we can sense that presence. You know, he demonstrated his faithfulness in just how he created the worlds. He demonstrated his faithfulness so that whether you ever opened this book, you would know there was a God that is faithful. Because if you look at the creation, what happens? The stars the sun, the moon. What? They're always in the place that they're supposed to be. That you can chart a course. What the ship, you know, the guys that, in old times at least, they used to chart their course by the stars. Why? Because the stars were faithful. They were there. And the sun coming up, comes up, you know, it's time to get up. It's like, okay, the sun's up. There's something in your body that says, okay, sun's up, I should be up. Right? <laughs> it wakes you up. <laughs> if you go against the sun, you have to do all kinds of things to try to make yourself sleep. <laughs> right? <laughs> but God is faithful with those things in nature that he's created for us to look at and say, hey, that's my God. Just look what he did in the heavens. Just go outside at night, get in a dark place where there's not a lot of street lights, and just look up. And you can say, my God's faithful. How many have heard of Old Faithful in the... Yellowstone National Park. Some of you might not have, but some of you have. Well, why do they call it? This is a geyser that just keeps coming up out of the ground every now and then. Well, why faithful? Sorry about that. I moved something. It's called Old Faithful because you can time by it. You know when it's going to come up. Old Faithful comes up regular on the clock. They know. So this is one of God's signs of faithfulness, isn't it? Amen? Well, guess what? We're made in his image, right? Let's turn to Genesis 1, 26 to 27. Right back to the very beginning. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. 
So God created man in his own image. He created him, male and female. He created them. So we're made in God's image, which means in his likeness, right? So his nature. But then we all know about the fall and how, we, how Adam and Eve fell. But when we come back to God and get born again, then his nature comes right back into us. Our spirit is changed. Amen? Amen. We're no longer like the world. Now we're like our Father in heaven. So he gives us the ability. You know the verse in uh, Philippians that says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He's the one that strengthens us and helps us to be able to do what he does, how he's created us to be. Then I want you to look at Galatians 5, 22 to 23. That's a familiar one. We should all know it right away. But it says... But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. So when God put his Spirit back into us, automatically we've got the fruit in us. Amen? And I'm not going to teach on the fruit of the Spirit. We, we could take a whole sermon on that. But I wanted you to see back in the first one, 26, the word faithfulness. It is within us to be faithful. God has put it in us. And if he's going to help us to do all things, then he will help us to be faithful. Amen? And sometimes you can say, Oh, Lord, I just can't do this. He says, Oh, yes, you can. I'll help you. <laughs> he wants to prove himself. It's natural for us to be faithful. It's natural because we are made in God's image. And that's part of who he is. Amen? Amen. All right. Praise God. Now, I want you to know this message is not to make us feel condemned, right? God doesn't condemn us, but it's helped us to grow up, right? and take our place in Christ. Uh, he put all of this in there because he wants us to be like him. He wants the world to have an example to follow. He wants the world to say, hey, they must be a Christian. Look how they behave, right? but he doesn't expect us to do it without his help. And that's why part of the fruit is faithfulness. So I'm going to break this down a little bit about man's part to play in faithfulness. Because that's the crux of it, right? If we've really got it established in our heart that God is faithful, then we can be faithful, right? So there's different things that we can be faithful to. First thing, of course, is to be faithful to God. So we're going to have some scriptures on us being faithful to God. Look at Matthew, the sixth chapter, and the 24th verse. It says, No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one 
and love the other or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So mammon, simply put, is money or it's the world system. The world system is to use money at the present, right? You exchange things with money. If you want something, you go to the store. They're going to say, where's your money? Right? <laughs> okay, well, let's read this in the contemporary English version. Do you have that one in the contemporary? Okay. You cannot be the slave of two masters. You're going to be a slave to something, whether you like it or not. <laughs> you will be like the one more than the other or be more loyal to one than the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, like I said, money is a form of exchange. Well, we exchange our time for money. When we go to work or if we sell something, it's time and effort that we've put into it. And so that time and effort is money. So just think about that every time you buy something. I used to do that sometimes, okay? I'm buying this dress and it costs X amount of dollars. How long did it take me to earn that money? <laughs> sometimes you can uh, decide whether or not it was really worth it. <laughs> because time is precious, right? We only have one life to live. And what time we are living, uh, it's very important to us and to God how we live our life. So when we are spending our time for things that really don't count, then it could be a waste of our time or a waste of our life. Anyway, uh, if we look at Hebrews 13.5 in the NIV, it says it again. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. He's always there for us. And so to him, it's important that we have him first, right? He says, keep yourself free from that love of money because what's it going to do? It's going to steal your time. It's going to take away from you. Be content. Be content with what you have doesn't mean to say that we can't better ourselves, but he wants us to be content with what we have because that will keep us from going after things that maybe are just a waste of our time. Amen? God knows what's best for us, and he will help us. He is faithful. He will never leave us. He will not forsake us. Our faithfulness is wrapped up in his faithfulness. When I thought about that, I thought, yeah, we are made in his image. He's all wrapped up in us, right? What we do, he helps us with. He's intertwined with us. Amen? Let's go to Exodus 34:14. This is the Lord 
saying, For you shall worship no other god, for the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Oh. You know, we, we use that word jealous and we think of it in a negative way most of the time. But jealousy for the right things is good. And Satan has gone and twisted up everything that's good to make it evil. But God is a jealous God because he's jealous for us. He loves us. He wants us. He doesn't want Satan to have us. God loves us and he wants us. So therefore, he tells us, don't worship any other God. You can worship money. You can worship clothes. You can worship cars. All kinds of things we can have as gods, right? But he said, you shouldn't have anyone before me. So our faithfulness is counted on if we put anything before God. Amen? Exodus 20, verses 8 and 9. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. He, he looked at us and tried to give us an example. Amen? He says, okay, I created the world in six days, and so now I want you to work six days and rest one. Now, of course, his was the seventh day that he rested because he had to do all the work first to get a day to rest, right? So he called it the Sabbath, which nowadays we would call it Saturday. But if you read in Mark 2, 27 to 28, Jesus said that the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. Also that the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. So what he's saying is <clears throat> we, we shouldn't be trying to make a law out of what day it is, but we should remember that he wanted us to have a day of rest, a day where we can worship him. Our thoughts are just for him. We are um, giving ourselves to worship. We're giving our time to him. We're putting him first. And that's why many people, many Christians have gone to the first day of the week because that's the day that Jesus rose from the dead. And it's our way of saying, I'm putting God first in the week before my job, before all my activities, before everything I do. I'm taking the first and giving it to the Lord. So that's just to clarify why sometimes we worship on Sunday instead of Saturday. <clears throat> but the Lord was saying that don't make a law out of it, but the scripture says if you pick a day, then keep that day holy. That day is for the Lord. It's for your rest. So if, if the, your day can't be a Saturday or a Sunday, you should pick at least one day of the week and make that holy, set apart unto God. That's what he wants. He wants our worship. He wants our praise. He wants to fellowship with us. He created us to fellowship with us. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Praise the Lord. Our next verse is going to be Hebrews 10. We're going to read 23 to 25. 
Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. <clears throat> I put this in here for several different reasons. He wants us to hold fast to our hope, confession of our hope. In the day and age that we live in right now, many people are losing hope. They don't see any way out. They're told how to behave, what to do, not to do, all these things. God says, hold fast to the confession of your hope without wavering. In other words, be faithful to the hope that you have. Be faithful to what God has said. For he who promised is faithful. He's faithful so he wants us to be faithful. So he said we need to consider one another and stir up that love and good works. How can we stir it up if we don't talk to one another, if we don't see one another, if we're staying separate from us? No, that's what the enemy wants is to separate us. Where two or three are gathered in their midst, I there I am. He knows God is with us when we're all together. And we can be together online, but it's still not quite the same. Because I can't see you. I know some of you are out there, but I can't put my eyes on you. And there's something about being able to look you in the eyes. <laughs> It's encouraging to look out there and see eyes looking back at me. <laughs> Hear the amens. Amen? Amen. There you go. He wants us to stir one another up. Otherwise, what happens? We get discouraged. We get lonely. He says, don't forsake getting together and exhorting one another. And he says to do it even more when you see the day approaching. Well, how many of you know that there's a lot of signs that are showing that God is coming back soon? And he says, well, don't forsake gathering together because of all these things. He says even more you should be getting together. So the world system is telling us stay apart. Don't see each other, you know? Use online or whatever. Meantime, God is saying, don't forsake gathering together. That's what he considers faithfulness because he knows how the corporate anointing, the effect that the corporate anointing has on you and your life as we come together. So we should not be giving up. Amen? We do not give up. We keep our eyes on Jesus. Just like when Peter was walking on the water, he was looking at Jesus. But what happened to him when he took his eyes off Jesus? <laughs> Down he went. And if you're by yourself, it's so easy just to look at circumstances. But when we come together, we can encourage one another, build one another up, saying, yes, I've had some problems, but God helped me through it. Amen? Amen. Uh, Joe was a good example this morning. 
said, sure, I've been through some troubles, but God, this verse really helped me. And then we can look at that verse and we can say, yeah, that verse is for me too. Amen? Oh, my. God is so good. He is so faithful to us. And he wants us to be like him. The next section was faithfulness to the body of Christ or the church. We kind of touched on it a little bit. But I want to give you some examples from the Old Testament. You know, that the Old Testament was written, it's not just an historical book, it's written for our example. We can learn from those who made mistakes, and we can learn from those who did something right. Amen? Amen. And we can decide which one we want to follow. <laughs> which one do we want to be like? <laughs> so we have the example in, in Exodus, the 17th chapter of Moses. And we're not turning there. But this, in Moses's, uh, in the 17th chapter, Moses was standing uh, with his hands lifted to God. There was a battle going on. Joshua was fighting a battle. And as long as Moses' hands were lifted up to God, he was recognizing God was their help. Amen? As long as we have our hands up to God, we recognize him as our source, Joshua would win the fight. But then as soon as his hands dropped down, because, you know, after several hours, you're arms are going to be tired. Joshua would, he would start lose, losing the battle. So Moses put his arms up again and Joshua would be winning. See, Joshua was his helper. Moses was the commander leader, but Joshua was out there with the troops, with the army, and saying, okay, we're fighting this battle. But Moses was just a man, wasn't he? And he grew tired. And his arms started dragging down. So eventually, <laughs> he had a couple come alongside. That was Aaron and her. And they saw what was going on. So one, now if I didn't have to do this six feet separation thing, I'd have a couple of you come up here. One would hold this arm up. Aaron would hold up one side. Her would hold up this side. And so there was Moses. They set him down on a rock so he wouldn't get so tired. And they held up his arms so he could keep his arms up towards God. This is the body of Christ helping, right? Aaron and her were priests, and they were there watching the battle with them. They weren't called to go out and fight like Joshua was. But they're there, and they see, oh, Moses needs help. So that's what they did. They held him up. And, you know, we can equate that to our pastor, we can equate that to our president. Those that are in leadership, they need our help. They need their arms lifted up. They need encouragement. No, if you look out here and don't see anybody, it's discouraging. I don't care who you are. You have to encourage yourself in the Lord. Say, Lord, there's somebody out there. I can't see them. But when you can see him, then you're encouraged. Well, when Moses was watching Joshua and he was winning, he was encouraged. But when he got tired, he just couldn't do it all. And so he needed help. Well, that helped Joshua, didn't it? Because then Joshua was able to win the battle. That is being faithful 
in the body of Christ, helping one another. And it doesn't just have to be a leader. Maybe you, maybe you see somebody, you know somebody, they've gone through a hard time. Maybe they need encouragement. Maybe they need somebody to come alongside, put their arms around them and say, hey, it's going to be all right. God's going to help you through this time. He is faithful. We just had all those scriptures on the faithfulness of God. He is faithful. He's going to help you. You just be encouraged. He's going to help you through this. Then in Exodus 18:17, this is another time in Moses' life here. So when he first started leading the Israelites, Moses was trying to do everything himself. He was trying to counsel all these people, lead all these people. He was doing all this by himself because he had the ear of God. He heard God. And so they respected what he had to say, right? And so here all these people would come to him with their problems and they would wait and wait and wait. Anyway, we're going to read what his father-in-law said to him here. So Moses' father-in-law said to him, The thing that you do is not good. <laughs> I guess he felt like he could say that since he was a father-in-law. Both you and these people who are with you will surely wear yourselves out, for this thing is too much for you. You are not able to perform it by yourself. Listen now to my voice. I will give you counsel, and God will be with you. He's saying, I'm telling you what God's telling me to tell you. <laughs> Stand before God for the people. In other words, keep your relationship with God so that you may bring the difficulties to God. The things that are really serious, you can answer, right? Keep yourself before God. The next verse. And you shall teach them the statutes, and the law. In other words, Moses was to preach the word, right? Give them the word and show them the way in which they must walk and the work they must do. So Moses was supposed to teach them, right? Amen. How many of you know we have a pastor that loves to teach us? Amen. Amen. He gives us a good word. Moreover, you shall select from all of the people able men. That means people that have the ability, who fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness. And in other words, all these men are faithful, right? They're faithful. So you pick these faithful men and place such over them to be rulers by thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of 50, and rulers of 10. So he made it, he gave them directions so that even the, the smallest group of people could have somebody to talk to, right? Somebody they could bring their problems to, their issues to. Well, we know we've got God within us. We can always go directly to him. But sometimes we need somebody. Sometimes the pastor's not always available. Or sometimes he just got too much to do. Amen? And so God has all of us to help one another. He, he gives us that help. 
but then it's the job of the pastor to go and, and separate different positions and things. But, according to Aaron, uh, Moses' father-in-law, he says it's got to be faithful people. Well, you've got to have faithful people to choose from. Amen? Amen? If a person is not faithful, you can't pick them. This is God's law. This is God's rule for promotion, is being faithful. Amen? So we're to be faithful to the body of Christ. We're to be faithful to our church. We're not turning there, but 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter, it talks about the body of Christ as one. We're all one, but we have different parts. Amen? I can look at each one of you, and each one of you looks different, right? Every one of you is a little different than the person next to you. Even if you're in the same family... <laughs> Each one of you is different. Different personalities, different strengths, different things that you can do. Why is that? <clears throat> because as a whole, we make up one body. And God has different jobs for different ones of us. Amen? Even Paul, when he was writing in the New Testament over and over and over. He talked about faithful men. He said, pick faithful men. He told Timothy, pick faithful men to be your elders and leaders in your church. Look for faithful people. That's what God looks for. Even God said, when he comes back, will he find any faith on the earth? Faith comes from the word faithful, faithfulness. Is he going to find anybody faithful? Like I said, this is not to condemn us. This is to encourage us to be faithful, to rise up, say, yes, I can do that. Yes, I want to do that. I want a part. The next part is faithful at your work or the calling that you have. And I've been a nurse for many, many years. I've been faithful to my job. Uh, at this time, I'm not working, but it's time. You know, there reaches a time, but God will call you and he will give you something to do. Look at Luke, the 16th chapter, 10 through 12. I'm going to try to turn there myself. Luke, the 16th chapter. Verse 10 through 12. Verse 10 says, He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. That how, that's how you judge a character. Will they be faithful in what is least? Because then you know you can trust them if, if they have a lot to do. Therefore, verse 11, if you have not seen, if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? And if you have not been faithful in what is another man's, who will give you what is your own? Is there something you're wanting from God? He's saying, 
if you'll be faithful in doing what I give you to do to help somebody else, then there's going to come a time when I give you something. Amen? That's how God does it. We don't make the rules. He does. Amen? <laughs> Verse, uh, 1 Corinthians 4, 2. Moreover, it is required in stewards that one be found faithful. A steward is someone that works for somebody else, right? So if you're going to your job, people just seem to know what it means to be faithful to their job, don't they? How many people would show up late to their job every day? The world knows the system. If you show up late to your job every day, they don't consider you faithful. And guess what? It might not be very long when they'll say, hey, take a hike. <laughs> well, should we not be more faithful to God than to our job? Who's number one in our life? Is God number one in our life? Or if COVID-19 comes along, is our job number one? <laughs> Sorry, I just had to throw that in there. <laughs> How many people will go to their job, but when it comes to going to church? Oh, no. We can't go to church. Oh, no. There's COVID-19 out there. Well, how many of you know there's more protection in the house of God than there is going to work? <laughs> God is faithful to his people. If you put him first, he'll protect you when you go to work. Amen? His word says so. He has promised it. That's why I guess, you know, in the natural... I could get discouraged if I look out there and see less people here now than before COVID-19 hit us. Because it says we should be more, doing more, more assembly together when we see that day approaching. Well, if this isn't a pestilence that has come to us, then I don't know what is. It's one of the worst that we've had. Sure, we should take precautions, but never lose hope, never lose faith that God is faithful to us and that his word is more important to us than the word of the world system. And so, therefore, we should be faithful. We should be eager to be faithful to the things of God. Amen? He will protect us. And I see people out here that according to the world, <laughs> that, oh, you should stay in your house. You should only go out if you should get groceries or if you want to go to the doctor. Guess what? I fit that category. <laughs> I'm over 65, and there's other things in, in my body, which, you know, I'm not hanging on to them, but there's things that just afflict you sometimes. But guess what? If I listened to them, I wouldn't be here. But I see some people sitting here right in front of me. I want to say hallelujah, amen to you, that you... Don't listen to, to what the world says. Sure, you're using caution, but you are, put, you are there in the eyes of God, putting him first. Amen? He will protect you. He will take care of you. You will not get COVID-19. Hallelujah. 
Amen. His he is faithful. He's promised it. It can't come nigh us. Read Psalms 91. Go home and read Psalms 91. That's his protection for us. We have an example in Jesus. Hebrews, the third chapter, 1 to 6. We're going to read that. The son was faithful. And because he was faithful, he's now the head of the church. Amen? And he sits on the right hand of the father. He defeated Satan. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Jesus Christ who was faithful to him, that's to God, he was faithful to God, who appointed him, just like Moses, who was faithful in all of his house, for this one, that's Jesus, has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses. Why is that? Inasmuch as he who built the house has more favor or more honor than the house. Jesus created the world, right? He built the house. Moses was just in the house, right? So every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. Amen? He's the creator. As Moses indeed was faithful in all his house, as a servant for a testimony of those things which would be spoken afterwards, but Christ as a son over his own house, we're his house, right? We're his body, whose house we are if we hold fast, hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. We don't give up. Amen? Amen? We hold fast to what God says. Christ, the Son of God, was faithful even when he didn't want to be. Amen. Why do you think he cried out to God in the Garden of Gethsemane? His flesh did not want to be crucified. He knew what was coming. But he saw us. And for our benefit, he was faithful. He went all the way to the cross, stayed on that cross, even when people were taunting him and saying, if you're the son of God, just come on down. Prove you're the son of God. Get off of that cross. Because they knew that if he was the son of God, he could do that. And Jesus knew he could do that. He said, I could call 10,000 angels and they'd be here just like that. But he didn't for our sakes. Shouldn't we be able to do something for him? Shouldn't we do the little bit that he asked us to do when he gave us his all? He gave us his life. He's our example. He was faithful to his calling. He was called to do that. And he didn't let his flesh stop him from doing what God had called him to do. Our next section is faithfulness and relationships. Proverbs 14, 5 says, A faithful witness does not lie, but a false witness will utter lies. Proverbs eleven thirteen says, A tell-bearer reveals secrets, but he who is of a faithful spirit conceals a matter. Oh, how easy it is in our relationships not to be faithful to one another. I have an example from the Old Testament again about Noah. Everybody knows Noah, don't you? 
Yeah, he's the man with the big ship. <laughs> Noah and the ark, right? Well, after the ark, he and his sons, they planted vineyards. And, and guess what? One day, Noah was, had drank of the wine from the vineyard. And guess what? He got himself drunk. Well, how many of you know that if you're drunk, you're not responsible for what's going on? <laughs> Something else takes over. Well, he was in his tent, and he had three sons, Sham, Ham, and Japheth. Well, Ham, the youngest one, he goes in the tent, and he sees his father there. But what does he do? Now, we're going to have an example of an unfaithful son in a relationship. Instead of covering his father up, he goes out and tells the two brothers, Oh, guess what? Dad's in there. He got himself drunk on the wine. He's in there. He doesn't have a stitch of clothes on. Well, how many of you know that's, in God's eyes, that's not a joke. The two other brothers, being faithful sons, got a blanket, a cover. One on one side, one on the other. They got a hold of that blanket, and they walked backwards into the tent. And they did not look at their father, but they covered him. That is a faithful relationship. That is a faithful friend. That's what it talks about when we read a tale bearer reveals secrets. The first son was a tale bearer. In other words, he was a gossip. Oh, did you hear about so-and-so? Did you know what they did? Oh, you know that they're having trouble in this area and they're having trouble in that area. That's a tale bearer. But he who is a faithful spirit conceals the matter. I've often heard that if you see, see something in someone, God didn't reveal it to you to go tell somebody else. He revealed it so you'd pray for them. Each and every one of us can pray for somebody who's having problems. We don't need to know all the gory details. We can pray for that person. God knows the story. We need to lift them up. Amen? Other examples of faithful relationships is David and Jonathan. They were close friends. And... You can read that in 1 Samuel chapters 18 to 20. I just want to recap what faithfulness is. We heard about God's faithfulness. Amen? We saw lots of scriptures, and we are made in his image, which means that we have the ability to be faithful. Amen? Our first place is to be faithful to God, which includes Jesus' body, the church. When we look at one another, we should think Jesus. Jesus is in that person. I treat them the way Jesus, I would treat Jesus. Amen? Then uh, we read about our faithfulness to work or our calling and our relationships to other people. want to read to you Titus 3, 8. This is a faithful saying, and these things I want to affirm constantly, that those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable to men. In other words, we're to be faithful 
to help one another. Amen? Like I said, this is not to make us feel condemned. This is to make, give us a goal to go towards, to reach for, that we want to be like Jesus, right? He's our example. God is our example. And so take time today. Get alone with the Lord. We can do that now even. Just say, Lord, show me if I've been unfaithful. Show me how to improve. Show me what I can do to help somebody else. And you know, if we put him first, he says that all of our needs are going to be met. If we try to help somebody else, then he's going to meet our needs. Amen? Hallelujah. I want you to take this with you and remember it. Remember it as this body that we are. Let's be faithful to our church. Be faithful to one another. Let's not hide out in our homes, in our situations. But let's be faithful to God and his assembly. Amen. And in closing, I just want to pronounce a blessing over us. The priest always used to put, say this blessing over the children of Israel. It's Numbers, the sixth chapter, verses 24 to 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. That means he looks on us with favor. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank